I'm Dora Vandekamp. I have been on a mission for the last 16 years to discover the world's most powerful beauty secrets. The Biohack Your Beauty podcast is a deep dive into the world of biohacking, lifestyle, wellness, and self-development. Join me in uncovering the mysteries of beauty, anti-aging, and ultimate longevity with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the health revolution. And now, on to the show. Greetings, beautiful ones. Welcome to a new episode. Today's episode is my first solo episode in a long time. I really wanted to do a Q&A format because I just feel like I received so many amazing questions from all of you via Instagram and I wanted to share my answers in a way that was really in-depth. And so, you know, over the last 16 years, I've incorporated so many anti-aging practices and wellness practices. So I'm going to be talking about sleep, about my nighttime routine today, about eating meat, my perspectives on veganism and vegetarianism, and then all about skincare, how I take care of my skin, what I eat for my skin, and just the resources that I want to provide for you in regards to all of those topics. So I'm very, very excited to dive in. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review. It would mean the world to me, but it also allows people to find this podcast full of really, really powerful and empowering information. So thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. All right. So I took these questions from Instagram and I had intended to answer more than just three questions, but I went really in depth with each answer. And so I feel like a lot of your questions are kind of tied into the answers to the topics that I end up talking about. All right. So the first question is, I've heard you use biohacking techniques to help you sleep better. What does your evening routine look like? So my evening routine is pretty consistent and I would say something that's really, really important is lighting. And I try to be really good and disciplined about these specifics because I feel that just the light in particular makes such a big difference. So one of the things that my partner and I have done is put red light bulbs in the rooms that we spend time during the evening. So we have a living room and then we also have a bedroom and both of those places we either may do some work in the evenings, we may just spend time together, we may read a book but we've placed red light bulbs that we can turn on in those rooms so that once the sun has gone down, we turn on those red lights and that's the light that our skin and our eyes are exposed to. Now, 
If we are using screens during that time, I like to have an app on my computer that's called Flux. And what this does is it actually dims the light of the computer screen and it also tints it so that it becomes more and more kind of like ready orange as the night progresses. So it goes with the sun. You actually set it to the time that you are, like let's say we're in Pacific Standard Time, so we set it to Pacific Standard Time, and then the computer will get more blue throughout the day as the sun is warm and, and high, and then as the sun goes down, it gets more dim and more orangey, right? Like it would if we were spending time around a fire. Now, the reason that we do this is because for thousands of years, the only light that our skin and our eyes were exposed to at night was fire, right? Electricity is a relatively new invention. And our skin and our eyes actually have receptors in them that affect our hormones, including our sleep hormones. And so the more that we expose our skin and our eyes to the appropriate light, the more we're inclined to produce nighttime hormones. So if for thousands and thousands of years we were only exposed to firelight at night, right, and moonlight, then our bodies are programmed to produce those nighttime hormones when they are exposed to that red light. Now, when they're exposed to blue light, which is something that we get from the sun, that's when our daytime hormones are activated. That's when cortisol is activated, right? Cortisol, we know that as a stress hormone, but really it's also just a hormone that keeps us alert and keeps our energy kind of going throughout the day. So of course, when our cortisol levels spike, that's when we feel stressed, but we're also utilizing hormones throughout the day that are activated by light, blue light. So the sun is a form of blue light, but we also now have this constant blue light on our screens. So we have it on our computer screens, our television screens, our phones. So we really hack those screens for nighttime. So our computer screen, we use Flux. I also use a hack on my phone. So I put my phone on night shift actually throughout the day as well, just because that blue light shining on my face, I know that it's going to affect my skin, right? If you're in the sun all day and you are exposing your skin to that, those rays, then it's going to age your skin. So I'm very conscious of that on my phone. My phone is never really very bright unless it needs to be. And it's always on night shift so that that blue light is not affecting my eyes. Imagine staring at the sun all day, right? Obviously you can't do that, but when you're staring at your phone, you are degenerating your eyes over time. So it's really important to take the precautions that you can to protect yourself from that blue light. Going back to my nighttime routine, the third thing I do is we don't really watch TV in the evenings. Uh, we don't have a TV, but occasionally we'll watch a movie on a, on a computer monitor or something like that. And so one of the things that we also utilize are blue blocking glasses at nighttime. I also think that the 
blue blockers are really great because then it allows you to actually participate in some social situations as well. So we don't spend every single evening at home, right? So if I'm gonna go hang out with family or friends, I bring my blue blocking glasses. Yes, they kind of look like Elton John glasses, but sorry, not sorry. I know that it's really worth it for me to continue keeping my circadian rhythm on track and keeping my hormones really aligned with the sun and how the sun is moving. I have listed some blue blocking glasses below as well as some red light options. So for me, we use red light bulbs. We also have a red light panel. And I've talked a little bit about this on other episodes with my guests, but a red light device is really, really powerful for healing the body, for increasing collagen in the body, and also helping set your circadian rhythms. And I have one that I really like. It's uh, called Mito. That's the brand that I use. So I will also list that down below. I like to do my red light routine in the evenings because it kind of fits with the mood, right? Everything's kind of red. So that is something I also utilize. And I think that just lighting in general at night is really, really helpful for getting yourself to have a really good quality sleep. So lighting is a big thing. The other thing that I think really helps my evening routine and my quality sleep is going to be not eating at least three hours before I go to sleep. And this is really just coming from the idea that if you're digesting, you're not going to be regenerating, right? So sleep is really for your body to recover. It's literally all about recovery. That's why we need sleep. And the deeper and more quality your sleep is, the more your body is going to be recovering and regenerating from your day and from whatever your body is needing to deal with. So if you had toxins throughout the day, which if you're living in any kind of city, you definitely were exposed to. If you live in a house where there are toxins, if you exercised during the day and your body is recovering from that, there are so many things that our body needs to recover from. And especially when we think of anti-aging, right? Like what we're doing when we sleep is we're helping our skin recover. We're helping all of the functions in our body, the organs, get back and calibrate back to that beautiful, um, ideal place where they are fully, fully functional. So that is why sleep's imperative. So if your body is digesting, then it's not going to be at its full capacity to recover. So it's really powerful to stop eating. I like to actually stop eating by 6 p.m., maybe 5 p.m., I know that that can be challenging for a lot of people because either socially we're hanging out with friends or family in the evenings, but for me, it's something that I don't compromise on often. So once in a while, if I'm going to a wedding or perhaps there's something special, I might not adhere to kind of my framework, but 
most of the time I don't eat after 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. because really that is something that allows me to feel better in the morning, right? Waking up full is something I don't love. And I also think that it's just really a powerful way to give your body the opportunity to recover. And this is something I think a lot of people don't realize. If you are working out, which I think most of you listeners are because it's such a big part of health, right, is is exercising and whatever that exercise looks like, whether it's really intense, whether you're doing uh, high intensity, low intensity, you're going to want to give your body ample sleep for recovery. We need that sleep. You really don't want to skimp on sleep if you are exercising. So just something to think about and So that's a really big part of my evening routine as well, is not eating. I don't drink too much water in the evenings, but I might sip water here and there. And I don't take any supplements in the evenings, save for my magnesium supplement. And my magnesium supplement actually has liver in it, so that's something that is included in that supplement. And I have heard actually from a few of my biohacking friends that they take liver in the evening as well. For me, I really like the supplement that I take. I will list it down below in the show notes as well. And it's a blend of magnesium and liver. Now, magnesium is something really, really helpful for getting your body to relax. There are so many people who are deficient in magnesium, A lot of research shows that it's over 50% of people. So really checking whether you are sufficient in magnesium is really great. Uh, Inside Tracker is something that I am currently using to measure my nutrient levels. So that's something I recommend doing. Either way, I think it's really important to take a magnesium supplement for most of us because it's something that we really don't get a lot in our diets. Magnesium helps to relax your muscles and also helps to relieve anxiety. So it's something that is just really, really powerful to take in the evenings. Last thing I would say is I don't look at screens at least an hour before bedtime. And this is not only because of the light, which I do think makes a difference, but the other thing is I get so overstimulated if I'm looking at screens at night. And this is partly just my personality. I really am very analytical. So if I'm looking at any kind of information or post on Instagram, I really start to think about it and I start to analyze it or just form opinions about it. And I think that that can really take away from going to sleep, right? We want to wind down. So I don't want to spike any kind of energy levels. I want to start slowing my brain down and really slowing those brain waves down, not speeding them up, not reaching different kinds of brain waves that will keep me awake. So for me, I really don't look at screens. I do have a Kindle that I may read from. I I like hard copy books, but I recently started reading from a Kindle and I actually enjoy it, but I do use my blue blocking glasses if I'm reading. And I will only read fiction at night because nonfiction, again, 
it's too analytical for me and I start to go in my brain and, and just have a whirlwind of thoughts and, and opinions about it. So that's why I will read fiction at night or maybe I'll listen to some music or just talk with my partner, but I really try to do kind of low energy things in the evening and I definitely don't go on social media or anything like that if it can be helped because it winds me up. It doesn't slow my brain waves down, which is what we want, right? And I think the other thing, and this is maybe a little more on the energetic side of it, is that when we're on screens, most of the time we're taking on other people's energy as well, right? So if I'm on social media or something like that, and I'm reading somebody's post, I'm really kind of taking on that energy as well. It's very, very easy for us to kind of calibrate to what we're reading. And so I think it's really just important to be aware of that and conscious of that, especially as you're going into slumber, because if you're taking that into your sleep, right, you're taking that into your subconscious. Whatever you're looking at before you go to sleep is what you're taking into your subconscious and ingraining it there. Like it's really, really powerful. We've talked a lot about the subconscious on the podcast. And I think just really being aware that your subconscious mind is really powerful. So being conscious of what you expose your mind to and your energy to before you go to sleep, because you can either let it empower you and do something that is kind of constructive or soothing or going to help you either heal or manifest something great, or it's something that is going to disempower you. So I think that that's just a really important thing to think about. At nighttime, I always turn off my phone. I put it on airplane mode because I really believe that it's important for us not to have that radiation around our bodies. There are more and more studies being uncovered about the effects of cell phones on our bodies, our hormones, our circadian rhythms, increased anxiety. There's so many factors. And so I think it's just really important to take precautions. Turning off your phone, we also turn off our Wi-Fi at night. We have some devices that help neutralize the radiation from outside of our house, but on the inside of our house, we really try to be as conscious and aware as possible as to what steps we can take to mitigate radiation. So we turn off whatever we can, including the Wi-Fi and both of our phones. So my partner is amazing. I'm so blessed because he's very much on board with this and he turns his phone off as well at night. And I actually do sleep with my phone next to the bed, uh, but I don't go on my phone in the morning um, up to at least an hour after I wake up. Uh, My boyfriend actually keeps his phone in the other room because it's a little too tempting for him to have it next to him. Uh, So what he does is he keeps it in the other room and then when he wakes up in the morning and he goes to the other room, then it's there, but it's been off. So that kind of sums up our evening routine from a biohacking point of view. I think that sleep, again, is such an imperative component of anti-aging and 
when we talk about anti-aging, right, it's not just the physical um, anti-aging. It's, it's about really the holistic experience. So what are we talking about? We're talking about keeping our body as whole and as healthy as possible so that we can live and thrive for many, many, many years. And so that's what we're doing when we're incorporating a routine like that is really thinking of the long-term effects of how our sleep can really contribute to being ultimately very, very healthy and anti-aging. Okay, the next question is, I've been eating less meat, but can't seem to cut it out completely. I simply crave meat. What is your perspective on vegetarianism and veganism? Well, I was a vegetarian. I started at the age of 12. I have always been really into animal welfare and just, I've always been a lover of animals. And so at the age of 12, right, I was starting to make my own decisions. I learned about being a vegetarian and I was all for it. And as a Taurus sun and moon, I'm born in the year of the ox. Once I decide something, that's it. I'm going with it. So for 16 years, I didn't eat meat. And around the age of 18 or 19, I decided to become a vegan. I became a raw vegan. And so I really did not eat meat. I didn't eat animal products for a long time. And I have since changed my mind. And I just want to say that my story and my experience may be very different from other people's. And this is never going to be about telling you what's right for you. I only know what's right for me. And so I just highly encourage everyone out there to really experiment with what works for them and really just to take the time and go inward and kind of ask yourself, what are your values and what's really important to you? Because I think that there is so much more to it than just the physical component, right? So for me, I became a vegetarian and a vegan because I really believed that killing animals was wrong. It hurt my heart. And to this day, it hurts my heart to see factory farming, to see animals suffer. And I am very, very much against any kind of exploitation of animals that allows them to suffer during their lifetime. Well, at a certain point in my life, I ended up developing what is called a Bartholin cyst. And it was horrible. It was so incredibly painful that I couldn't work. I couldn't walk. I was having such a hard time. And as a person who is really not into taking pills, definitely not into taking pharmaceuticals, I didn't want to take painkillers. I was in a state of despair and this despair and this condition lasted, I would say, on and off up to a year. And I was going to medical doctors, I was going to 
uh, really prestigious medical clinics. And the solution was to operate, was to basically remove a part of my labia. And at that point, I made a decision. I decided to seek alternate care because I really believed that there must be another way. And so I went to a, an amazing, amazing clinic called Biophoton Therapy, which works with your cells and the light that your cells emit. And I also went to an acupuncturist. And one of the things that my acupuncturist recommended to me was to change my diet. And what she said was that it was imperative that I begin eating meat and drinking bone broth. And she said that one of the reasons I needed to do this was because my chi was stagnant. So in Chinese medicine and in Eastern medicine, the chi is the energy that flows through the body. It's the life force. And what the diet I was on, which was all very yin foods, right? Tightening foods. I was not having this flow of chi throughout my body. It's a very oversimplified explanation. So With a lot of thought, a lot of prayer, I decided to begin eating meat after 16 years. And I have to tell you, I cried a lot. I cried before, I cried while I was eating it, I cried afterwards. I felt so sad. And I also felt guilty, right, for having this opinion and having this commitment to this way of living and then changing it and going back on this word, right, that I had um, really promised I would keep. So as I went through these alternative treatments and as I changed my diet, I started to heal and I started to get better and I saw results. And not only that, but I started to feel more calm. And as somebody who tends to be more yin, who tends to be more uh, anxious and, and overthinking and just analytical, it really showed me that I was missing something in my diet. And I started thinking about how important our ancestors found animal foods. And there was a book that I had read a long time ago that had really had a huge impact on my life and how I saw food. And that book was called Nutritional and Physical Degeneration by Weston Price. And this book is incredible because it really shows and tracks the links of food and the quality of food and how it affects our bodies. And I've talked about this book in a number of other episodes. I kind of think I would like to do just an episode on this book. So if you're interested in that, let me know via Instagram. But I hadn't made the connection between 
what these people were eating. So I had made the connection between, yes, food does affect your health and it affects how your children will function and the quality of their health. And I had understood that component, yet the other component of this book is the food that they are eating are animal foods. Meat, organ meats, butter, cheese, whole animal foods, rich in fats, rich in nutrients, low in sugar. And when I understood that and I saw and I researched, right, how many of our ancestors based their diets in meat, I started understanding that really we are meant to eat foods that are as whole as possible. And what is more whole than animal foods? And I started really researching, right? Like, because I really wanted to understand and I'm really intentional. I don't do things unintentionally as much as possible. I want to have integrity in what I do and how I eat and how I live. And so it was really important for me to feel like this was the right thing to do. And so what I started doing and and did from the beginning of eating meat again was choosing meat that had had a good life, that didn't suffer, and that really thrived during the lifetime of that animal. So when I go to the butcher, I get pastured meat. I always choose grass-fed and grass-finished organic. And I do my due diligence to look into the farm that the animal was raised at. How did it live? That's so important to me. And I also choose to support farms that treat their animals with respect because I believe that that is the future and and that was our past, right? And so that needs to be a part of how we live. How we eat is such a big part of how we live. So I really choose to be very intentional about the meat that I eat. I also really have learned so much since I started eating meat because I want to understand why my body needed meat. Why did it need animal foods? And so one of the things that I really learned is that your body needs to have the nutrients that animals provide. So we think of zinc, we think of DHA, vitamin B12, iron, vitamin B6, and carnitine as well. So these amino acids, all of these nutrients have such an impact on not only how we feel energy-wise, but also our moods and our positive mental health. So for me, it was just understanding how these whole animal foods support my mitochondria and understanding that the better the quality of the food I eat, of the meat I eat, the more I'm going to thrive as well. So I think it makes sense 
if you are craving meat, right? If you're eliminating it and your body wants it, I think that's something to really look into. And what I think is just most important in any diet is being conscious, right? Like being really conscious about how you're choosing what to eat. And I think many of us are kind of on autopilot when it comes to food or we do what is easy because we're in this very fast paced world. But if you can do your best and as much as possible, choose food consciously. I think that that is really the biggest challenge for us, but also has the biggest reward. So again, the question was like, what is my perspective on vegetarianism and veganism? I think everybody is different and we all have different reasons for choosing the food that we eat. From personal experience, I found that my body thrives from eating meat and eating animal foods. And I also believe that it helps me avoid processed foods because we don't need processed foods. We really don't. And that is what's in every grocery store. That's what the food industry, big food, wants us to be addicted to, right? These highly processed foods with seed oils and sugars and just this manufactured idea of what food is supposed to be when really animal fats, butter, tallow, liver, like these are the foundation of what nutrition really is. And I can tell you from experience, when I was a raw vegan, I was eating all day long because I was always hungry and I just felt like I was never full. And I can tell you that from eating red meat, which is totally vilified, right? I don't really even eat chicken, to be honest. I really only eat beef. And that is for me what I like the most. I enjoy it the most. I find that it's the easiest to source from a conscious perspective And I also like that it's cooked in a way that I don't have to overcook it. So with like pork or with chicken, right? You have to make sure it's fully cooked before you can eat it. But beef is something that you don't have to fully cook all the way through and you can eat it and you get a lot of nutrients out of it without having to worry about carcinogens that happen from cooking. So that is something I think is really amazing. We have Belcampo near us, which is an amazing resource if you're looking to source meat that is raised with love and respect. And also there is Mindful Meats, which is an amazing farm that we have locally as well. Now I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area currently. I think it could potentially be a little more challenging if you are in a more rural or a more kind of um, not as city-oriented location, but there are so many resources online. You can find places that will deliver to you frozen meat as well that's been raised and that is grass-fed, grass-finished, 
and organic. So I just recommend doing your research to see what's local. And I will also put some links down below if you are interested in that. So again, that's really my perspective. I think exploring for yourself is amazing. And then if you are making the switch, I think it's just really important to look at the other components of your diet because the First of all, if you're eating seed oils, it's very hard to tell whether meat is doing you well or not because there's this other component that's pretty toxic in your diet that isn't telling, it's not allowing your body to tell you what's up. So I, I would say that that's a really important component. And then the environmental component, I think is also really important. So a grass-fed cow is not going to be emitting these methane gases. This idea that cows are emitting methane gases that are polluting and destroying the environment and that are contributing to climate change, it has to do with their diet because they are eating genetically modified foods full of antibiotics, full of grains, and that is causing them gas, right? So. Once we come back to our origins, once we come back to really knowing how animals are supposed to live, how they live in nature, how we are a part of that cycle, that is something that will help us thrive, but also our environment thrive and just help create harmony within this cycle of life. Okay, our last question for this episode. You have amazing skin. Well, thank you. What is your skincare routine and what foods do you think are important to eat for healthy skin? Well, I could probably do a whole entire episode on this, but to keep it short and sweet, I will just share a few of the things that I think are really, really imperative to keeping quote unquote youthful skin. Now, something that I've really kind of honed in on is the definition of beautiful skin. And for a long time, I myself had a really big fear of aging and of aging my skin. I really didn't ever want to look quote-unquote old. And as my 30s progressed, I'm now 36, I started to really change my perspective about what defines beautiful skin. And I've definitely noticed I have fine lines here and there, and I can tell my skin has changed since I was a teen, right? But I also noticed that my skin is really healthy and it glows and it's vibrant. And in a lot of ways, it still has that youthful energy. So even though I'm not looking like a teenager, I don't look like I'm 21, I still feel really, really beautiful in my own skin. So the first thing that I think that's just really powerful is the quality of water that you're going to use, not only drinking water, but also the water that you're putting on your skin. So when I wash my face, I always use 
filtered water. I have a shower filter and even if I'm not going to take a shower when I wash my face, I use the water from the shower to wash my face. I really feel that unfiltered tap water is so toxic. That's just something I really try never to consume and never to put on my skin or my hair because there are so many heavy metals. There is such a high level of chlorine and there's just so many other things in there that who knows what I'm putting on my skin. And as we know, right, because of the skin gut access, whatever I'm putting on my skin is going into my bloodstream, into my gut and it's affecting my whole body. So I think the first step always is if you don't have a quality shower filter, get one and I will link one down below just in case you don't have one yet. If I am traveling, I always make sure to have a glass bottled water with me. I do this also because I'm really particular about the water that I drink, but I also will use that water to wash my face. It may sound really, really extra, but for me, it's something that's helped me a lot to keep my skin uh, feeling healthy, to avoid putting toxins on my skin, and also just to continue my home routine out when I'm traveling. So it's just kind of a level of consistency I like to keep. If I'm traveling, I also always bring my own skincare products. I never use hotel skincare products or anything like that. I like to bring my own soap. I like to bring my own face wash. So I think that that's really helpful and important. When I do wash my face, I double cleanse. I get kind of the stuff, whatever it is, if it's makeup, if it's just um, toxins from my environment, I usually will use coconut oil to loosen up that um, dirt or the toxins or the makeup. And then I will cleanse my face with a foaming cleanser. And that's just been really helpful for me as far as keeping my skin really clean, but not stripping the oil from my face. And I think that that's just something that I learned actually a really long time ago that we have a microbiome on our face, on our skin, and that microbiome, the more in harmony it is, the more it's going to help us with our skin to stay clear, to stay smooth, to glow, right? So we want to nurture the microbiome. We never really want to strip it of its natural oils and natural bacteria. So I always choose products to put on my face that don't throw that microbiome out of balance. I never ever use seed oils. I'm not a fan, as you already know, of seed oils. I don't put them on my skin. They are not in any of my skincare products. I always choose products that are nurturing for my skin and they will always be very, very natural. So I really like Living Libations from Nadine Artemis. She's actually the very first person that I interviewed on this podcast. Episode number one, if you haven't listened to it, there's so much good info on there. I also love, love, love Alitura. 
which is by Andy Nilo. And he was also on my podcast. I believe it's episode seven. And he is so amazing. He actually healed his skin when he was in a very, very detrimental car accident. And he began using these products and he formulated them into an amazing skincare line. I love their face wash. I love their night cream. So I highly recommend their products as well. I also love the mask they have. So just some products that I want to share with you. You can find them in the links I shared below. There's lots of links this time. I have lots of resources to share. I also use a gua sha and I do that probably five days a week where I, in the morning, will put on uh, some face oil and I will take my gua sha and I will just go over my neck and over my face and just kind of massage and drain the lymphatic system on my face and also stimulate blood flow on my face. This is a really wonderful way to get blood circulating in your face and that's really going to make a difference for the quality of your skin to get that glow and also to tone the muscles in your face, right? Because we really have a lot of little muscles in our face that we wanna keep toned and healthy and strong. I also like to do face yoga. I do that every day throughout the day. I think that that's just a really nice way to exercise and utilize those muscles in the face and again, stimulate blood flow in the face. One of the things I also like to do is get on the teeter-totter, which is basically an inversion table and just have the blood kind of flow to my face and flow to my head. And I do that probably about three times a week for about 10 minutes. You can do it more than that. That's just what fits my schedule at this time. So I feel like those are all really great ways and pretty simple ways to just keep your skin vibrant and glowing and detoxified. And then as far as what I'm consuming, well, the first thing that I would say is, again, coming back to water, the quality of the water you drink is everything because think about it, we're made of like 60 to 70% water. The older you get, the less water you're made of, right? And so it's really, really powerful to know that if you're made of that much water, don't you want that amount of water to be really good water? It just makes sense. So a long, long time ago, when I was really just starting out on this health journey, I found out that microplastics are really detrimental to our health. What happens with water, especially the water bottles that we see at the store, right? The purified waters, the waters you find at Costco, they heat these water bottles, right? They're, they're heated, there's these plastic bottles, and then they fill them up with water before they've even been cooled. And then throughout the transportation of them, they get hot, they get cold. And so you're getting all these microplastics in your water and then you're consuming them and they stay in your body. A recent study I read said that adults have up to five grams of microplastic in their diet a week and that babies actually have up to 10 times more 
than adults do in their bodies, which is crazy. And you think about it, right? Because little babies put everything in their mouth and a lot of what they're putting in their mouth either was in plastic or is made of plastic. And they're also finding this with sea animals that when they uh, cut them open, right, they're full of microplastics. So if we think about the environmental effects of plastic, if we think about the biological effects on our bodies and how this affects us long term, we just really want to drink out of glass and consume things that are not in plastic as much as possible. And so for me, a really long time ago, I chose to drink only out of glass bottles. This means that I invest in my water. I spend a lot of money on water and I'm not going to lie. It is definitely a part of my food budget, but I also believe that for me, it's an investment. And maybe that means I don't spend money on certain other things, but for me, quality water is really, really important. If you don't want to go there, then what I would recommend would potentially choosing reverse osmosis water and really going to either a really high quality place that will reverse osmosis your water for you or choosing to get your own system at home. I know Kangen water is also a really great alternative. And just knowing that those waters may not have the minerals that a spring water in a glass bottle would have. So you're potentially wanting to add more magnesium, more potassium, more trace minerals into your diet or into your supplement regimen so that you're making sure you're getting sufficient nutrients because our water used to have that, but now that bodies of water have been so polluted, uh, it's harder and harder to find. So unless you're drinking a good quality spring water, you may want to supplement with certain trace minerals depending on what your needs are, which is why it's really powerful to track that. And again, I mentioned Inside Tracker as a really good resource for that. I highly recommend them if you are looking into what you may need more of or what you may be deficient in. That being said, I don't think you necessarily need to drink three liters of water a day. I think that it's important to Pace yourself as you drink water throughout the day. I drink about two liters of water a day, and then I also choose to eat foods that have high water content in them, so fruits and some vegetables. I like sweet potatoes. Those are all things that have a high water content in them. If you think of the foods that a lot of us eat that are processed, Processed foods are dehydrated foods, so they don't have any water content in them or very little. So that is why whole foods, again, are really amazing, right? Even talking about meat earlier, meat has a water content in it. So we just want to think about how can we incorporate hydrating foods into our daily life. I choose to eat organic, and that's another thing that I think has really, really helped my skin. I choose to eat organic and in California, at least that means it's also not genetically modified. And the reason I do this is because I see the link between pesticides and my gut microbiome and my skin, right? So if we think about the skin and gut access, anything that's compromising the well-being of my gut is going to compromise my skin. It's going to age my skin. 
going to make it dull, maybe make it break out. So I'm always thinking about how can I optimize my gut health? Now, pesticides are designed to totally exterminate microorganisms, right? So if we think about a pesticide or an herbicide, what it's designed to do is to attack the gut of the organism that's affecting the crop. So if we think that anything really that we're consuming, whether it's processed, whether it's bread, whether it's vegetables, if it is not organic, if it's been sprayed with pesticides, and we're eating this every single day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, seven days a week, those pesticides add up. And not only that, but if you're eating meat that has been eating non-organic feed, you're drinking dairy products that have had non-organic feed, you're eating eggs that are potentially going to also compromise your gut health because they're not organic, you are really, really compromising your own gut health because then those pesticides are going to attack your gut microbiome. Add that on to potential antibiotics that are in your food or that are in your water, or potentially that you have had to take medically, and you are looking at such a dire situation for your skin and your gut, and whatever, again, affects your gut, affects your skin. So there are baby steps, and I think that if you don't eat organic at all, switching to all organic, it can feel really overwhelming. This is why eating at home and cooking at home and really building that skill, think of it, thinking of it as a habit that you're cultivating, it can make such a big difference. And I'll tell you this, at least living in the Bay Area, I don't go out to eat a lot. I don't think I barely ever go out to eat. And maybe that sounds really sad for a lot of people, but it works really well for me. I love to cook and I had to build that. I didn't love to cook in the beginning, but I also know that now when I eat foods, I know what's in my food. I know how my food was made. I know how the ingredients were sourced and it's a really beautiful way of living and cultivating this really big part of my life. And I do this because it's something that I'm really passionate about but it also allows me to avoid anything that compromises my gut health and my skin health and my longevity. And it also means that I avoid seed oils and I avoid potential other toxins that might affect my body negatively. So that's something that has been really powerful for me. I think if eating out is something that isn't something you can compromise on, then perhaps going out to eat a little bit less frequently or cooking at home a little more, taking baby steps in the right direction and reaching out to other people in your life who may want to be on this journey with you, who may want to cultivate healthier habits or cook at home more, maybe cook together or maybe switch off. There's so many ways to build healthier habits and it takes time. Don't be too hard on yourself and enjoy the process. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode resonated with you, please give it a thumbs up on iTunes or Spotify. Five stars, positive review. It helps us spread the word about the power of holistic 
health. I've opened up more spots for holistic life coaching. In my one-on-one program, I support you in reaching your body goals and going deep into transforming subconscious beliefs that are related to your well-being. We work together on physical and emotional healing and really hone in on creating lifelong lifestyle changes that are in alignment with what you desire for your body, your health, and your future. You can click the link in the show notes to book a free call with me, and there you will find my other links as well. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful week.